Hey there, welcome to Business Breakthroughs. I'm your host, Neil DiPentino. So glad you could be with us today. I am super excited about our show today. We have a guest that uh, I think you're gonna enjoy a lot. Comes with a lot of uh, you know great background, a lot of information he's gonna provide with, uh, for us today. Uh, our guest is a uh, West Point grad. He actually played football on the Army uh, football team while well, he was there at West Point. He served our country and retired as a Lieutenant Colonel. He's the founder of Grace Strategic uh, Services. Ted Davis, thank you so much for being with us today. How you doing, Ted? Neil, Neil thank you so much for uh, inviting me and let me uh, give me the privilege to talk with you and uh, share some ideas with your uh, audience. So, thank you. It's a pleasure oh, to be one, here today. One hundred percent. I got to tell you, I was I've been thinking about. We spoke a couple of weeks ago. Just had you know, kind of a brief conversation, kind of tried to get to know each other and everything. And I really felt that there was a really cool connection there. So you're like a really easy guy to talk with. And, uh, you know, bring a wealth of knowledge to, uh, you know, to the business world. And uh, we were kind of talking before we were kind of joking around before we got started about, uh, you know, we we really on this show like to have people who, you know, are in the trenches, who have, you know, done business or dealing with people, not, you know, somebody has a kind of a crazy idea that's going to get you rich overnight. And uh, and you're that guy. You're the guy that uh, has been working in the trenches for quite some time. Uh, and we want to get into this a little bit more. But before we do that, Ted, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, as you said, I had the great privilege of uh, attending the United States Military Academy at West Point. Uh, a wonderful, wonderful privilege. Uh, four years that I cherish. I graduated in 1974, which tells you that I'm an old man. And uh, after four wonderful years, I uh, started off as a second lieutenant, uh, signed at Fort Parson, uh, Colorado, my first uh, job as a platoon leader and company ex executive officer and so forth. Met my wife there, and uh, our first son was born while we were there in uh, Colorado Springs. So it was a great career. And then I uh, uh, had uh, assignments at Fort Stewart, Georgia there for five years the first time and two years the second time. Served in uh, Germany for uh, three years. I was in Korea for two years. A uh, very interesting time. I got to serve in Korea when they had a, uh, a kind of a national revolt and uh, uh, was the ascension, the, the assassination of President Park and all this stuff. So it was an interesting time to be there and to kind of witness uh, history in the making. And then when I was in Germany, likewise, history in the making is when the, uh, uh, the wall came down and, and, and all that uh, stuff. So. It's been an interesting career. Um, when I retired in 1996, uh, very fortunate. The Lord just blessed uh, me and my family. I immediately started off as a vice president for international marketing and sales uh, for a manufacturing company. And um, great opportunity to learn a lot of lessons. Unfortunately, it was learning a lot of important lessons uh, by seeing a company not succeed. And uh, now, that was a lasting impression when this first job goes away after uh, about 17 months. And uh, so that's why I started my uh, consulting business and got involved in consulting and then coaching and then training. And so we so we will celebrate our 27th anniversary uh, just in what? Next uh, next week, December 1st. Wow. We make it 27 years. Fantastic. And, uh, been a great ride. So uh, my, my kind of, I say my mission, which kind of a, uh, changes over the years as people kind of draw me into what kind of service they're at. But I think the enduring thing that I've had the pleasure of uh, serving the market is to uh, uh, help managers become leaders 
and help leaders reproduce themselves. Uh, so that's my focus all 27 years, but particularly now, uh, where I think I can do the most, offer the most in the marketplace, um, is training leaders, whether it's by training, you know, classroom, it's personal one-on-one instruction, uh, coaching, uh, even in consulting, but helping leaders succeed by uh, becoming more um, affirmative, more intentional about what they do as leaders. So I hope that's a good summary. No, I mean, that's a great summary. So let me ask you this, because I've been thinking about this all week as I was getting ready for this uh, interview. Uh, how did the military prepare you uh, for what you're doing today? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think uh, I certainly started in the military academy with, uh, well, actually, even before that. I think I came from a family where I got, uh, uh, you know, good um, foundation in a sense of ethics, a good work ethic. Um, you know, the good step in anchoring in my faith. Uh, so I think I started off in a pretty good place. But the military academy certainly built on that. It gave me an excitement for learning, as I've uh, learned over the years. Uh, one of my character strengths is that love of learning. And the military academy accentuated that and layered uh, good, solid discipline uh, I think the motto, duty on our country at the academy, really anchored, uh, here's what we're all about. So then in the, uh, my active duty assignments, I had, I was very blessed. I had good assignments. I had, by and large, very good manners. That every single leader I ran in, uh, had uh, contact with was a great leader, but I always learned something from it. And so watching good people uh, do their job well. Uh, watching good people be intentional about how are they being a, bringing a benefit uh, to the units and to the people they lead. Uh, that became a very important part of you know, kind of my philosophy about leadership is that uh, one of the things I always ask my uh, clients is I ask them, number one, they, have, they need to define a personal definition of leadership. I think it's so important that a leader understand and they define for themselves, this is what leadership is. What are the action verbs? Because leadership is a human behavior. So what are the behaviors, the leadership, the verbs, action verbs in your personal definition of leadership? And then the second thing I always ask of them is, what is the benefit to being under your leadership? And I think uh, that was one of the things that I really learned by watching other leaders uh, do exceedingly well. Uh, that there was a benefit to being under the leaders. I had one guy, and his name was uh, Johnny Hitt, Lieutenant Colonel Johnny Hitt, phenomenal leader in my humble opinion. And I always said he was a great leader because he was a great umbrella. And what I meant by that is he provided um, a translucent umbrella that when praise and, and, and compliments and good feedback was coming our way, he, you know, it came down on us. You know, we were able to absorb and get the, the, the praise for good work and so forth. But on a rainy day, he protected us from dysfunction, uh, from nonsense. Uh, he buffered us. And I, I always applauded that about him. And so that became one of my key teaching points, I think, is that, you know, not only does a leader need to nourish uh, nourish people and their talents and their abilities and their dreams and their aspirations, 
but they also need to protect them, protect them from um, inefficiency, protect them from ineffective leaders, uh, dysfunctions within organizations. So I think it's those two things of both nurturing and protecting that uh, two big lessons that I learned uh, while I was on active duty. And I think the other thing is the importance of having a vision. What is the future? What are we aspiring to be? Uh, what's it going to look like? And then, have, of course, having a, a path to get there. Uh, my last four years uh, on the Army, I was teaching at the Command General Staff College, and I was fortunate to, to be the chief of strategic studies and run the Army Strategist uh, training program. And so training strategists uh, to think broadly, to think broadly across the company, think deeply about the issues, and to be able to think in time. What was the, well, what about the past? Um, you created the present, and what about the present is going to lead into the future? What are those forces and trends? And uh, so being able to think in ends, ways, and means, where we're going to go, it's that vision of the future, how we're going to get there, what are the resources? Um, you see, I can, you, you push the red button and all this stuff starts flowing out. <laughs> <laughs> That's about, okay. About this uh, is your show, man. Just keep it coming. Hey, well, it was just, uh, you know, 22 years on active duty. I just loved every minute. As I frequently tell people, if I was 18 and had to do it all over again, I would still go to West Point. I would still make the Army my first career, and I'd marry the same woman. So wow. life has been good. God has been good to me. That's awesome. How many I people really actually can say that, that, right? Yeah, and that's wonderful. So, I love what you said about the protection part. I mean, and the vision. I think that you know a lot of people look at leaders as being somebody who can like you know, t- you know, kind of the, the boss. You know, do this, do that, that type of thing, and that's what a leader is. But really, it does go deeper than that. It is dealing with people and understanding those people and what they you know what their capabilities are and what they're you know what they are like personally as well. So when you, in your teaching, when you're talking with your coaches, or I'm sorry, when you're coaching your your clients, I mean, what kind of things do you tell them? How do you work, you know, with them to get them to understand exactly what a good leader is? Well, one of the things is exercise I often have them do is uh, write an essay about who was your role model, who taught you something, no, who was it, what was it they did, what was it about their character, what was it about their behavior, what were your lessons learned, and how do you take it? So I think being, uh, being reflective about yourself is critically important. Uh, you know, what have I learned? What have I learned? Who, who do I admire? Uh, who is a role model that I aspire to be? I think that everybody ought to have that. Uh, whether somebody you know, somebody you read about, somebody you see um, on the national stage uh, that exemplifies great character, um, compassion, and is effective, gets things done. I think it's got to be a combination of those. Um, so I think it's to be reflective. Who am I and what do I want to be as a leader? And then secondly, when I say about what do I want to be about a leader, um, really put a focus on the fact that I think there's three R's in leadership. Uh, one is the role I have to play as a leader. Number two is the results I need to get as a leader. And thirdly is, of course, the relationship. Because leadership is always about the relationship. And so, as I mentioned earlier, uh, asking my clients to specifically to think about and define 
what are the benefits for being under my authority? Um, so one of the things that I'm, I, in my life I've had an opportunity to lead a lot of uh, Bible studies. We're committed to uh, studying scriptures, and there's a, a history, there's a story in there about a Roman centurion that goes to Christ for the healing of his servant. Well, that, that story is just filled with so much about leadership because here's this army captain who has a servant who is ill. Now, in that Roman society, uh, a servant was disposable. But yet, this, this Roman centurion, and the centurion got that, that his rank by being in battle. I mean, he, this, is, this guy's a stud. He has been successful in battle. And he says, hey, you know, please heal my servant. You don't have to come. I know you can just say it. And he says, I too am a, a man under authority. I said, this one go, you go, this one come, and he comes. I understand authority. And, uh, and so this, there was a benefit, not only for the occupied nation of Israel, because this centurion built them, built them temples, but the, this, this disposable servant, a guy who in that society didn't matter, he mattered to that centurion. And there was a benefit that centurion humbled himself. So that made a huge impression on me. And I think uh, John Maxwell also writes about this in John Maxwell's Five Levels of Leadership Model. And he talks about the base level is position. And we start off with position. The organization has anointed you with authority. They've given you a responsibility. So here's these people you're supposed to supervise. And you have a reasonable expectation that they've got to follow your instruction because you have position. But Maxwell makes the point that the next stage up, this is critical, is you've got to get to the point where people give you permission they give you permission to be their leader. And because we all want a leader, we want a strong leader, somebody who inspires us. And so when people experience some benefit, it could be, you know, I give them recognition, I keep them informed, I keep them fully equipped, I train them, I protect them. Here's all the things they're going to get so they can, again, it's, it's a protective coating while I nurture them so they can blossom. And so I've got to know what that is. And so when people realize that, they give you permission. Now, don't ever expect one of your subordinates to come up and say, you know, boss, you are so good. I give you permission to be my leader. Those conversations just don't happen. Right, right. So when they, when they give us permission, it's an unspoken thing. But you'll, you'll notice it because they'll start to defer. They'll start being forthright. They'll start providing information. Um, so it's, it's a wonderful experience when people feel there's a benefit to being under their leader's authority. So I think we as leaders absolutely need to be intentional. You know, if people are under my authority, and I've got to use my authority as an open hand. I don't use authority as a closed fist because that'll kill an organization. I got to use authority as an open hand. I share authority and I, I protect people with my authority. My authority is a resource for other people to grow. And so when they feel that way, uh, the organization can be as big as we are. If I hold authority like this, we can only be as big as I am. But if I hold authority with an open hand, wow, we can grow. We can be absolutely magnificent. And so when people sense that, uh, that's when they're going to start absolutely to nourish. Uh, so I'd encourage your readers to continue reading uh, 
on John Maxwell's five levels of leadership to look at the other three levels. Uh, but it's a great model. Uh, Fantastic. So, and you, um, so you, it, uh, you were telling, we were talking a little bit before we started the podcast. Uh, you gave me, a, told me a story when you were in the service about working with a subordinate. And the whole thing was that when you're able to make that kind of connection, like you were just talking about just now, uh, that really frees you up as a leader to be able to do your job even better. Because yeah. now you've got you have these people, you can trust them to do what they need to do so that you can, you know, um, continue to do your job even better. You know, tell me, tell us, tell us a little bit, tell that story again, actually, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, please. Absolutely. Well, as this has been truth both in my uh, military career and in civilian life as well, is that, um, you know, there's going to be somebody that you have to rely on uh, that extends your reach. So what I learned this as an army captain and I uh, used to tell my driver, hey, you are important to me because you extend my reach. Now, my responsibility is to take care of these folks. My responsibility is to provide direction and making sure our soldiers are properly trained and equipped and ready and motivated to go accomplish something. Well, I can only do that if I'm outwardly focused and say, I don't have to worry about me. I can worry about them. Well, if I don't worry about me, that's because you worry about me. And so when you take care of my stuff, when you get me, you get me where I need to be, you just help me, uh, you extend my reach. So everybody here benefits from the kind of job you do of taking care of me. And um, so I think that goes on throughout life. I don't care where you are as a leader. I mean, how many people have an administrative assistant who, again, they extend the reach of the boss because uh, they, they take care of the boss. Um, then you get a, a, a number two in the organization who, again, covers the blind side of the leader. So finding those, and I love the word you just uh, mentioned about the, the relationship and the trust, building the trust. One of the, the key lessons that I learned and I pass on to anybody who I um, coach or train is leadership. The, the number one, the most critical skill we must have as a leader is to communicate effectively and instill trust. That is one skill set. Communicating effectively and instilling trust are so inextricably linked, you can't separate those. You can't instill trust unless you're communicating effectively, and you can't communicate effectively until you instill trust. They're absolutely tied together. And so which comes first? Yes, you got to do them simultaneously. Right, right. And they, they got to build. But when, when people, when they hear from you and they know they, when, when we give them uh, timely, meaningful, relevant, sufficient, and accurate information, those are five elements of effective communication. When they get that kind of communication, wow, I can trust you. And when they start to trust, the filters that can distort my message will start to come down. Now they'll start to hear me uh, by because they believe in what I have to say. Um, and the more that I provide that timely, meaningful, relevant, sufficient, and accurate information and feedback and so forth, uh, the more success we have, uh, the, the more we relate to one another, uh, the more the organization can do. So uh, again, you let me ramble. No, you're not rambling at all. I love it. So a lot of the stuff that we've talked about during this podcast so far uh, you know, has been a lot of experience that you had in the military, but that translated very well into the business world. Now you are in the business world, have been 
for what, 22 years, I think you said, um, 27. 27 years. So, um, you know, give, give us an idea of, of who a typical client might be for you today. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I love working with uh, CEOs, corporate executives, the entrepreneurs, business owners, and so forth, because um, uh, generally they've been successful in some way, shape, or form. Uh, but maybe they've reached a summary block, or they're, they've they've hit a ceiling and they want to break through, and so forth. So they've been uh, successful. They've been resourceful. They are resourceful. They're intelligent people, but they want to be more effective. They want to be more uh, efficient. They Generally, they have an aspiration to, number one, have a meaningful life. They want a life where they're using, they're exploiting their character strengths to do something significant. That's what they're, they're passionate about. Uh, they want to deliver value, and they, um, they want to leave a hero's legacy. So when they're finished, people want to look back and speak well of what and who and what they do. Uh, one of the biggest fears that most of my clients have is the fear of failure. Uh, that is huge with a lot of folks. Uh, and the key issues that they struggle with is they may lack time or they, there's a perception of they lack time. We all got the same 24 hours, so it's not a lack of time. It's uh, lacking organization to set priorities right. and so forth. Yeah. It could be a lack of money. They're not uh, either they're not earning enough or they're not managing it, so they're paying too much and so forth. Or there's a lack of teamwork because they haven't built a good uh, leadership team, uh, they could feel isolated. Uh, there's no place where they can have a candid, confidential conversation. And that candid, confidential conversation is the crucible where great, wonderful things can do, can happen, where people can really uh, be transformed when they can have that a time of reflection, that time of venting, a time of um, brainstorming. And so that candid, confidential conversation so they don't feel isolated. There is somebody who will listen to me without judgment. Uh, I think that's a key thing of being a successful uh, uh, coach is you cannot be judgmental. Uh, you've got to be able to help people uh, express what's on their heart and mind, what's burdening them so we can get that burden off and, mm -hmm. and figure out what the real problem is, what's the solution. And they got to come up with their solution, of course. Uh, as a consultant, you provide a solution. As a coach, you help them figure out what the right solution is. And that's what I love about coaching is you're helping people uh, find it and take ownership because they've uh, developed it. So, and I think uh, my clients, all of them, they have a dream of being successfully personally and professionally. And so uh, that's, they want to improve their personal productivity often. They want to be a better communicator. And, uh, and it's been just a you know, great pleasure for these uh, years. And I've had the great pleasure. I've worked with uh, several construction companies. I've worked with manufacturing companies, IT companies. I've worked with a lot of not-for-profits, which have been uh, very enjoyable. Uh, so the process basically works across a lot of different channels, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so can you give us maybe uh, an example of how your process has maybe helped uh, a client here recently? Yeah, absolutely. Well, about a year and a half ago, I had a client... Uh, only was able to work with her for about six uh, six months. So it was a not for profit. She was taking over, and uh, it was her first time as the CEO. Um, the organization was struggling financially and uh, was kind of ineffective. Uh, the, the executive team was uh, very weak, and uh, so one of the first things we had to do was 
help clarify in her own mind. Um, she earned it. She really did. She had a great career up to that point. She definitely earned the privilege of being the CEO. And it was getting her to understand that she had earned that, uh, helping her clarify, okay, what's different about being a, CEO, a leader as a CEO versus a leader as a uh, department director? And so getting that clarity about clarity about her abilities and her skills so she could have self-confidence. We had to overcome that self-doubt. So we wanted to get her both humility, which she already had, and and confidence, that wonderful blend that uh, Jim Collins talks about in his book, uh, Five Levels of, his five levels of leadership modeling, good to great, that wonderful blend of humility and strong will. And that meant she needed to be confident. So we worked on that, and she did become more confident. She could see why she was capable and what she leveraged in it, but uh, and, and then how to work with her team. So we worked with the team as well to get some cohesion. And in that process, we were able to uh, do some root cause analysis and figure out where the uh, – I'm sorry. The, we were able to figure out where the root of the problem was organizationally. Who was that person? And um, once we were able to identify who that was, uh, walked her through and and rehearsed conversations, uh, brainstormed how this thing unfolded so she could identify that disruptive influence and uh, terminate their employment. And and then once she got that person out of the way, the team coalesced, the organization, it was like had had a great breath of fresh air. And they started to to make progress. They started to thrive uh, because she was thriving personally. And you could just see Cascade down. You know, I think one of my truisms, at least to me, it's true. And I talk about it. Every organization will, over time, reflect its strongest leader. And when she became the strongest leader in a very positive way, as she became more Betty, um, uh, more uh, convinced that she was the right person and she's taking right action and she's seeing the results. Um, as she was blossoming, you could see the organization start to blossom. So I think it kind of proved that case that the organization will reflect the personality of its uh, strongest leader. So I think that was one great experience I've had of many. Uh, here recently, I've got two clients I'm working with now where it's both leadership instruction and individual coaching for the uh, one team is six and one team is five. And again, to see the, uh, the leadership team come together, um, you know, people who are really talented individually, but they're not coalescing, they're not clicking yet. And to be able to, to help them uh, individually figure out what's, what's blocking, why do we not have trust? And then to be able to clarify it collectively, uh, so they become in, uh, uh, what's his name, Patrick Lindsay, on these wonderful model about uh, five behaviors of a cohesive team. Great, great model. Um, so again, it anchors in trust. So we were able to reestablish trust and uh, establish ways to have constructive uh, conflict uh, in conversations, dealing with issues. How do we deal with issues? Not personalize how we deal with issues. And then uh, be able to commit and hold each other accountable to get the kind of results we're looking for. Um, so the two teams that I'm working on currently, 
uh, enhancing the cohesion and the trust, seeing them progress, seeing them get great clarity about their business model, great clarity about their individual roles, and what are the essential things they must do in their roles, and how they synchronize those uh, together, uh, and now see them blossom. That's just been more. That's going to make you feel really good, I imagine, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. I think you said earlier on we were talking that as a coach, your job is really, you know, a lot of times the answers are right there at their fingertips. It's just maybe too close to the forest to see the trees. I think that's the saying, right? Uh, And and so you're the one that comes in there and helps them to find that clarity to, you know, to help them find that confidence in everything. Oh, absolutely. I think that word clarity is absolutely huge. I think it's you know, clarity of your own aspirations, clarity of your own character strengths, uh, clarity of you know, your vision and so forth. But I think as a business leader, uh, clarity about what is your business model. Are you very clear about who your, uh, who your ideal customer is, who your avatar is? Are you clear about the value proposition that you're making? Are you clear about how you deliver value? Are you clear about your financial model? Uh, so getting clarity across the board, I think, is essential. And then, as I mentioned earlier, communications and then collaboration. How do you work together? So um, yeah, business, I think, is so exciting because there's so many moving parts. It's about human behavior. You know, human behavior is absolutely fascinating. Uh, and then we see it come together, all this human behavior coming to organizational behavior. Whoa. <laughs> And it's incredibly complex, and it, but it's particularly when it's done well. It's so inspiring to see people come together as effective teams uh, and, and perform well. You know, sometimes we see it on a Sunday. Uh, you know, when a team plays exceedingly well. Fortunately, this uh, past Monday night, my Chiefs uh, did not <laughs> play well, but uh, generally they have. You know, uh, so. I think that's well, the important thing. I love the the way you talk about that clarity. Yes, I think that's so important that we have it. Please. Well, I think that you brought a lot of clarity to uh, for a lot of people in this interview. And unfortunately, we're coming to the end of this thing. And we've actually gone a little bit over. So it's like, that's okay, because I really enjoyed having you on. And you've got some great information. You shared a lot of that with us. Uh, any final thoughts you'd like to uh, share with our audience? Well, Neil, thank you so very much. Uh, I think the final thought is um, I would leave with any leader is that your number one skill is communicating effectively and instilling trust. And consider that one skill set. You've got to be able to communicate effectively and instill trust. And until you instill trust, your communication is not going to be as effective as it should be because people have a veil of protection over it. So. You've got to do those two things simultaneously. Fantastic. Ted, if our audience wants to get in contact, we find out more about you and find out more about your business. How do they go about doing that? Uh, well, the easy way is call me, 913-306-1499, or email address tedavis at grace4, the number 4, success.com, tedavis at grace4success.com. 
Ted, you've been an awesome guest. I really appreciate you being on the show. And that is our show for today. I'm so thrilled that you could all be with us. Business Breakthroughs is sponsored by Titan Media Works. Uh, check us out at titanmediaworks.com. And that's works spelled W-O-R-X. And also check out all of our other great hosts on the Small Business Deliver Network at smallbusinessdeliver.com. Uh, so glad you could be with us today. Until next time, bye-bye. Take care. <laughs>